Come on, give it up for an awesome God. Hallelujah. Give it up for an awesome God He is. Praise the Lord. Well, I just want to just keep the momentum going as we're going to um, just respond to the Lord. I was praying uh, this week and the Lord just kept saying about you. He says, tell them you have not because you ask not. You have not because you ask not. So there's some of you that are ready to go to the next level. You're ready to go through another door. You're ready to move on into something. And the Lord says He's with you, but He wants you to talk to Him about it. He wants you to exercise faith and asking Him and believing that you receive when you ask so that you will receive. You have not because you ask not. I know we say, God, you know everything, and if you're omniscient, and Lord, you just, uh, you can figure it out, Lord, just if it's what you want, then you do it. God said, that's not how it works in this covenant. God says, I've set up covenant with you, and in this covenant, it is based on commitment, it is based on faith, and it is based on communication. And if you cut off the communication, you're not going to get the benefits of the covenant. So you ask not, you receive not because you ask not. You have not because you ask not. So we're going to look, just, I just put this message together. God answers prayers. And we're just going to kind of hit it real hard and real fast just to encourage you and to help your faith get recentered. Um, I, I know when I got a vehicle once that had the compass on it, you know, tell you you're traveling north, south, east, or west, and a notice came up and says, uh, the calculation is off. We need to reset your compass. And it gave me the instructions. I was to go in a big parking lot, and I was to drive around in a circle, hit the reset and drive around in a circle, and somehow or another it found true north and got reset so that when it said I was traveling east, I really was traveling east. Well, this here is kind of like that. We're just going to run around this subject matter really quick and get your compass reset uh, on prayer uh, your, so that your faith is pointing in the right direction so that you won't just talk about prayer, you won't read about prayer, you won't journal about prayer, you won't, you know, uh, have conversations with others about prayer and yet not pray. You know, we're, we're defeating the purpose there. We need to have prayer as a vital part of the discipline in our life. And there's no better place to get the instruction than from Jesus Christ Himself because when the disciples saw that all that He did... All the miracles he performed, walking on water, raising the dead, healing the lepers, open the blinded eyes. They put it together and there's something about it when he prays. There's something about when he goes up on that mountain or he goes to that quiet place, he comes back walking on water. He comes back raising the dead. He comes back healing and setting people free. We want to know how to pray. So they asked Jesus. They didn't ask him about how to do all the miracles. They said, Teach us how to do what you do in your prayer time because it's from there we see your miracles are coming to pass. <clears throat> so Jesus was modeling for us this covenant because He said, I'm here to be an example to you in this communication. So He says, I do what the Father tells me to do. What I hear the Father say is what I say to you. And all of that comes in and through our prayer time with the Lord. So when they asked Jesus to teach Him how to pray, you know in Matthew chapter 6 where Jesus gives the instructions, and I want us to look at that. And when you pray, Jesus said, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets 
Why? That they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. That's it. The only thing they're going to get is that moment of look at somebody saying, wow, what a great prayer. That's it. But he goes on to say in verse 6, But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. They're already operating in a lack of faith, thinking it takes many, many words in order to get God's attention. Therefore, not, therefore do not be like them, for your Father knows the things that you have need of before you ask Him. So pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. For your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So Jesus taught us the model prayer here for, that we're going to be looking at this evening. John Wesley once said, Give me a hundred preachers who fear nothing but sin and desire nothing but God, and I care not a straw whether they clergy or laymen. Such alone will shake the gates of hell and set up the kingdom of heaven on earth. God does nothing but in answer to prayer. Let me tell you what, we need to be re encouraged and reminded of the importance of prayer. Because let me tell you, there is a work and a strategy from the very portals of hell that is always at work to erode you in your life of prayer. So slowly and ever so consistently, the enemy is more than trying to get you to commit some horrible sin... He wants to cut the phone line. He wants to cut the telegraph wires. He wants to cut communication between you and your God. Because He knows when you on earth call on your God that heaven invades the earth and the kingdom of darkness suffers because of that. He is trying to cut the communication out. We need to be aware of that. These are some powerful statements. God's hand moves when people pray together. Oh, we have an opportunity here this Wednesday evening and we're going to take it here before we leave as we gather together and pray. In concert, we're going to pray. We're going to bring our faith together and when people pray together, the hand of God moves. It is through prayer that God makes the, poss the impossible possible. If you've got an impossible circumstance, if you've got an impossible situation, if you've got a mountain in front of you tonight, let me tell you what, that thing has no chance against the power of God that we can invoke in and through prayer. Hallelujah. It is through prayer that God greatly multiplies our efforts. Just a little peon here praying but in covenant with an almighty God and the resources of almighty God is made accessible to the little peon who is in covenant with this God.
Whenever God determines to do a great work, C.S. Spurgeon said, He first sets His people to pray. To pray. Let me tell you what I believe uh, by us being called and accepting the call to go into these European nations and to carry the Holy Spirit and the message of marketplace ministry and the message of the power of the Holy Spirit and relying on the super to come on the natural, not doing anything in the natural without depending on the supernatural of God. And as we go in that mandate, I believe God is expanding our territory as we have cried out in our prayers. And the territory is not only being expanded physically, but spiritually. And what we represent, you are a part of. So I believe God's taken us on this journey all together. So God is calling us, I believe, and reminding us as He, this whole week, He was, as I was praying about tonight, He says, they receive not because they ask not. He said, tell them, tell them, Tim, they receive not because they ask not. They're not praying the way they should pray. They're not, they're not seeing the seriousness of their prayer time. It's be, they're being lulled asleep and, and they're not seeing the power that comes through prayer. Remind them. Remind them. So I'm here tonight as, as a servant of the Lord to remind you and to remind myself that in 2 Chronicles 7 and 14, God said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive, forgive their sins and heal their land. Let me tell you what, don't we want our sins forgiven? And don't we want the healing power of God to invade the earth that we live in? That His kingdom would come and His will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Say amen. 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 So let us deal with some, mis uh, maybe some misconceptions about prayer. Some of them are a little funny, but they are, they are myths that, believe it or not, people do hold on to. Common misconceptions about prayer, facts versus myths. To some people, prayer is like a first aid kit. That's just, just all it is. It's there. They may even forget where it's at until an emergency comes up. But when the emergency comes up, they go digging. They look in for that emergency kit. Kind of reminds me of the story of a flight that was bound for New York. And their landing gear was not engaging. And the pilot kept trying to engage the landing gear. And, and something was locked up and it would not engage. And so they circled and they circled with no success. And... Uh, the ground crew uh, went, came in and sprayed the runway with foam and the tower instructed the pilot to land it the best way he could. You're running out of fuel. You can't circle anymore. We've got the, the, we've got the lane all foamed up. Hopefully there won't be an explosion. Bring it in as soft as you can. And the passengers were told to get into crash, crash position. And moments before they landed, the pilot tells them, well, we're beginning our final descent, ladies and gentlemen, in accordance with the international aviation codes established at Geneva. It is my obligation to inform you that if you believe in God, you should commence praying. <laughs> Probably more than likely, most of those folks who knew that they were in imminent danger were already looking for their first aid kit, pulling it out, forgetting maybe how they prayed. It had been so long, but they're ready to pray and call on God. Don't use prayer as just a first aid kit. Then there are those that look at it as a chemist's formula. 
you know, which requires that certain formula, especially the these and the thous of the Elizabethan English for us uh, English-speaking people. If we can get the formula just right, then we can hear, we can touch God, we can touch heaven, and we can have God touch us. I like the way Jesus, uh, this translated of what Jesus said in the Message Bible. It says it like this, Jesus speaking. The world is so full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. They're full of, this is Matthew 6, 7 through 9 in this, in this, the Message Bible. They're full of formulas and programs and advice, peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. Don't fall for that nonsense, for this is your father you're dealing with, and he knows better than you what you need. And with a God like this loving you, you can pray very simply like this. And then you you know, teaches us how to pray. I thought that was pretty neat in that uh, paraphrase, uh, the uh, study that was done in the Message Bible. It's bringing it in the 21st century, and it just definitely says, we're looking for these formulas. You know, if we can get it just right, then that prayer will go through. No, prayer is not a chemist formula. There's another misconception, and that is the essay prayer. Have you ever, ever, ever been with a person who knows or believes that prayer is like an essay? where God is the college professor and he grades on the number of pages that you have filled out. The more words, the more apt God is to respond. Okay. There again, uh, J.B. Phillips, a great, great Greek theologian, uh, a, a tremendous man of the word, and especially the Greek language, uh, gives us his translation of what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 7, and 8. And when you pray, don't rattle off long prayers like the pagans who think they will be heard because they use so many words. Don't be like them. After all, God, who is your Father, knows your needs before you ask Him. I like that. Don't rattle off long prayers like the pagans who think they will be heard because of their many words. And then there are those that believe prayer is a bargain. Let's make a deal. You know, we're there to make a deal with God and God, I'll stop this if you'll do this and I'll never do this again if you'll show up and do this and we want God to keep his end of the deal but most of the time we don't keep our end of the deal. Then there are those that believe it or not, they look at prayer like the magic spell. You know, you get, you found the genie lamp and you rub the genie lamp and genies come out and, and, and you want to make your three wishes and you're going to make one of your wishes that you would have unlimited wishes and, you know, you're just doing it like it's some magic spell. W.A. Ward said, God is never more than a prayer away from you. We address and stamp a letter and send it on its way, confident that it will reach its destination but we doubtfully wonder if our prayer will be heard by an ever-present God. If y'all would go to that slide, I just kind of gave you a picture here of a postcard that we put a stamp on and that we have more faith to put a stamp on this. We have more faith that the U.S. government or U.S. Postal Service will deliver this stamp. We have more. Some of us will pay our bills and we will send a check through the mail. 
And we have more faith that the bank will honor the money that we have in that account to give it to whomever we've written that check to, that they, the people who receive that check will believe us enough and trust us enough that they will take it to their bank and cash it, deposit it, and try to update our account showing that we have paid our bill. And all of that done through a postal service. We have more faith in that than we have in our prayers. Now, we believe it'll go. We believe it's paid. Someone calls and says, we haven't received payment. We said, no, I've got a check number so-and-so. It's dated so-and-so, and I mailed it through the post office on such-and-such such date. It is there. You, you should have it. And we will argue the case, but we are so easy to say, well, that prayer just didn't get answered. I reckon God doesn't want me to have it. I reckon, and we just let it go. Now, that's shameful. The God who gives us breath, we exercise less faith in Him coming through than we do the things of man. And then there are those that look at prayer like the Christmas list. You only come to God once a year and you tell Him how good you've been, okay? You're like, Lord, you know I love you. God, you know that, you know, uh, I'm in America, so I'm a Christian. You know, if I'm born in America, I'm definitely a Christian. You know that, Lord. And we start trying to sell ourselves on making our, sure we're on the uh, good list, uh, not, the, not the naughty list, so that we can make our requests before Him. And, uh, and let me tell you what, that, that I've seen a lot of, and that is not covenant. That is not covenant. God wants to hear from you every day. And He wants to talk to you. He is talking to you every day. Are you hearing Him? So here's a prayer that works recipe. You know, we always got all these TV shows now about all these good recipes. And you can go on Facebook and you go on Google and you go on YouTube. You can kind of get a recipe for anything this day and time. Well, here's a prayer that works recipe. And, uh, and if you want some good uh, examples of prayers, read the Psalms. Many, many of them are prayers, uh, and there are some tremendous prayers there. Uh, most of the great prayers in the Bible, including the Lord's Prayer, which Christ gave us as the model prayer, contain four basic parts. And I want us to quickly look at that. Number one, uh, we see it should address God, our Father. It should focus on our relationship with Him. We are in covenant with God. Uh, he is our Father. If you're male, He's your Father. You're His Son. If you're female, you're His daughter. You need to come to Him in covenant through that relationship that we are now sons and daughters of God. You're not an outsider. You're not a stranger. You're not, this isn't a religious activity. This isn't, uh, you know, whether somebody's good enough or bad enough. He is our Heavenly Father, and we should come and address Him. Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Which brings us to the second part. It should include worship and adoration, praise and compliments to God's name. And there again, there's so many examples of this in the Psalms. If you would take the time to read through the Psalms with that study in mind, God, show me prayers that are wholly inspired that I can learn from them. You will find them in the Psalms. And the reason I believe God wants us to compliment His name is because His character is revealed in His name. Did you know that when you study God's names, you gain power, the Bible says. Their, their power comes to us. There's a transference 
uh, by faith when we study the character of God by studying the names of God. There is power that exists when we verbalize God's name. This is a biblical teaching where we are to speak the names of God. And when you're in a situation and you need healing, you can speak to that situation that I'm calling on my covenant God, Jehovah Rapha, my God, my healer. You're calling on the character and the power of God by faith to bring who He is into your circumstance and let Him trump over the situation at hand. The Bible tells us that when we meditate on God's name, it opens doors and it leads us on journeys in which you can experience God in exciting and extraordinary ways. Meditating on the name of God. How many times have you spent lately meditating on the names of God? Because God's magnificent names are a disclosure of God Himself. As you meditate on His name and speak His name, you are meditating on the very presence and power and anointing of God. Because in His name, the Bible says there is peace. In His name, the Bible says there's comfort. In His name, the Bible says there's provision. In His name, the Bible says there's healing. In His name, the Bible says there's destiny and great power. Do not miss out on all of God by missing out on uh, worshiping and adoring and praising and complimenting the names of God. When you press into the name of God, you discover the transforming power of God. Let me share a scripture with you that if, you, if you've not read this re lately, I think it will encourage you. Malachi 3.16 then those whose, whose lives honored God got together and talked it over. God saw what they were doing, and God listened in. And a book was opened in God's presence, and minutes were taken of the meeting, with the names of the God-fearers written down, all the names of those who honored God's name. There were those that got together like we're doing right now and they began to talk and discuss about the names of God, the character of God, the glory of God, the value of God. And it got God's attention. Now this is the message paraphrase that gives us kind of a 21st century contemporary language of, of what's said in Malachi 3.16, but it's very accurate. It got God's attention so much so that he had them, and it didn't say who, we're assuming it's angels because who else, but you know, he, he got them to open up some books and to begin to take minutes and to write down the names of those who were discussing the names of God. Hallelujah! So that there would be this book of remembrance. The New King James Version gives us that translation like this. A book of remembrance was written before him of those who meditate on his name. And that word meditate in Hebrew is, is kashab. And, and kashab means to count on, to make the computation, to reckon, to, to think, to do, to devise, to plan, to reckon, to come up with the answer that he's the answer to my situation. Those that were saying, here's our situation. And as we look at our situation, we see only God. We see right here we need healing. 
So we bring up the name of God. He is Jehovah Rapha. Now God says, oh, whoa, whoa. Now all of the universes and the galaxies and all that's going on, God says, get the books here. I need you to take minutes over here. I need you to get the court, court reporter. I need you to have this recorded to names of those that are discussing my name. And they're, they're saying, we need healing. We're going to call on him, Jehovah Rapha. He is our God, our great physician. He is our God, our healer. He is a God that can turn the negative into the positive. He's the God that can cause the mass to dissolve and dissipate. He's the one that can cause the arteries to open up and the blood to flow. He's the one that created these organs anyway. And every system in this body was added to the, the very uh, formation of the hand of God in the physician is not a hands-off physician so we call on the physician to put his hands at once form this body to reform and remake and heal this body and, he, and God says when he got the hearing that he just said get the books here I need you to record everybody that's here write their name down as they're meditating as they're crushing my name and they, look this one here this group they've got some need they've got some needs in their life and they said you know what instead of us worrying and getting gray over this we are in covenant with a God who said I am Jehovah Jireh I am your God your provider he's the God that owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He's a God that owns the gold and the, and the diamonds and the precious stones is all His. Uh, he's a God that can provide anything. And instead of trying to worry and, and manipulate somebody to help me, why not we call on a God who is Jehovah Jireh to come in and, and to help us out in this situation? God says, I love it. I love it. I love it so much. I have a book of remembrance written before me with the names of those who talk like that. Man, how awesome is that? To meditate, to make the, compu uh, the computation that He is the answer to my need. He is the answer to my circumstance. He is the answer to whatever the problem is in my life. Amen? So there should be a time in prayer where our concentration is on the great attributes of God's character. Things like, Lord, I, I am so overwhelmed with your great love today. For you are the God, you are love. You are the God of love and your love covers a multitude of sins. So Father, you are so faithful, you've never let me down. The Word of God says there's not even a shadow of turning with you. You are so faithful, I'll never be in the shadow. I'll never be overlooked. The earthly authorities have overlooked me. Earthly authorities forgot my name. But let me tell you, God, I love you so much because not only have you held my name before you, you have etched me in the palm of your hand. You said you're dancing over me. You're excited to be in covenant with me, Lord. Great is thy faithfulness. Lord, I am so unsure right now, but thank you that you are the one that can open the blinded eyes and help me see my future, to help me see what I need to do in this circumstance. You are God of wisdom, and you said if I would ask you of wisdom that you would give it generously, the wisdom that I would need in all things in life. So Lord, I'm not going
going to cry about it. Lord, I'm not going to whine about it. God, I'm not getting into doubt and unbelief. No, I meditate on your mighty name. And as I meditate on who you are and what you have done and what you are doing and what you yet plan to do, I just want to rejoice and praise you and thank you. Yes, you are Jehovah Jireh, my provider. I will not fret. You are Jehovah Rapha, my healer. I will not die before my time. I will live. Yes, I will live and declare the works of the Lord. For you are Jehovah Shalom. You are my God, my peace. Where there's nothing broken and there's nothing missing. Yes, Lord, there's something broken right here. But if I can get your presence, if I can get your anointing, if I can get your attention to this brokenness and usher in your shalom, I know that that broken thing will be made whole. To you be the glory and to you be the honor. Hallelujah. For you are Jehovah Raha. You my shepherd. Not just a shepherd, but you're the great shepherd. You're the high shepherd. You're the mighty shepherd. And you're leading me to green pastures. And you're leading me to still waters. I'm not fretting. I'm not worrying. The devil wants me to think that 2018 by its close will be worse off than the beginning. But I know you, God. Your nature is take me from glory to glory and from faith to faith. And I'm not turning my back on you. And you're you're a God. You can't turn your back on me. So we're going to go where you lead me. Hallelujah. For you are El Shaddai. Lord God Almighty. My God of abundance. My God of more than enough. There is not enough need in the world that can exhaust your supply. There is not enough need in the world that can even cause you to pick up one moment saying, what am I going to do? You're El Shaddai. Hallelujah. You're the God of overflow. It's who you are. Abundance and more than enough. It's just who you are. And I call on you and I talk to you and I'm here to listen to you. Hallelujah. So our prayer should include that time of adoration and worship and meditation on the name of God. Jesus said, pray our Father which art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Hallelujah. And that third part of the recipe is prayer should include submission and surrender to God's will. Don't forget that. In a day and an age where grace is trumped over everything and thank God for His amazing grace, we must never forget the responsibility that we also walk with every day. A responsibility that when we do fall, when we do fail, when we do a sin, that we come to God, submitting ourselves to God, surrendering to God, and asking God as we come in submission and surrender that He would forgive us, that He would help us learn from our mistake and rise up and be better for it rather than what the enemy wanted us to be worse off because of it. So he says, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Remember that in your time with God. You don't want your will. Your will, you can't see. You can't see around the curve. You can't see what's over the next hill. You can't see maybe a mile ahead. But you're talking about a God that knew you before you were yet in your mother's womb. He formed you. He has a plan for you. 
you. He has a destiny for you. He sees the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Come on now. We need to come back to, Lord, Thy will be done. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And then the next part of the ingredient would be in our prayer that would be the personal request. Oh, He's such a loving God. He cares about every detail of your life. There is nothing that touches you that does not touch the heart of God. And He wants you to trust Him. He wants you to exercise your faith in your communication with your covenant God and making your personal request known to Him. Give us our daily bread. Yes, Lord, give us today our daily bread. He is concerned about your today. He cares about your today. I love what the Apostle Paul wrote in Philippians 4, 6, and 7. And uh, says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let what? Your request. Let your request be known to who? To God. I mean, we'll tell other people, but we need to tell God. God wants us to talk to Him about our request. And if we do, the peace of God, shalom, the nothing broken, nothing missing of God, uh, let me tell you what, will surpass our understanding. You won't be able to figure it out because God will work in such a way your brain ain't caught up to it yet. Hallelujah. He can work in such a way that your eyes can't see and comprehend it. You can't figure it out, but it gets done. Praise God. He will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. And then our prayers should include repentance and confession. Not only should we submit to the will of God and say, God, not my will, but thy will be done. When we have failed, when we have fallen, we need to repent and we need to confess. Only as we release can we be released. Only as we free can we be freed. Only as we bless can we be blessed. I wrote it here, honesty in prayer is essential for effectiveness. You can pull a lot of stuff over on people. And this day and time, there's some people that's learned the, the sleight of hand and they can, they can pull a quarter out of your ear. They can sell you anything. They can just, they're just like, man, they're just masters at it. You can fool people. But let me tell you what, you're not going to fool God. You're not going to fool God. And God can see through your trumped up, your made up, your trying to oversell. He wants you to be honest. Humble yourself before God. Repent and come before Him. And let me tell you what, as you repent and confess your sin, there's power. The blood of Jesus has already got in, it banked up the cleansing flow. It is already banked up a purging. It's already banked up a renewal. It's already banked up a refreshing. It's already banked up washing whiter than snow. It's already banked up. And when you repent before God and confess your sin before God, that, that which is banked up is released and it's better than any waterfall shower that you'll ever take. God will cleanse you and He will remove even the stain of that failure off of your life. But you must be willing to repent. To repent and confess that which you have failed at in missing the mark. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We must understand that in this, that prayer is also a matter of grace. 
Prayer is not a reward that we deserve. A lot of people think, I don't deserve. I don't deserve God to help me with this one. I've done, this is my sixth time making the same stupid mistake. I don't deserve. This, isn't, this is not a matter of reward because Romans, God already tells us, you've already fallen short. You don't deserve nothing. <laughs> Double negative. You deserve nothing. But because of the grace of God that loves us, He loves us so much. Hallelujah. He gives us the privilege of prayer. So prayer is a privilege to the child of God. It is a privilege that you and I have. It is not a matter of uh, deserving on a point system. It is a gift of grace. No one of us, not one of us is good enough to earn the ear of God. Not one of us are good enough to be able to call on Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Shalom. It's none of us has that. We've not attained enough goodness to deserve to call on His name. But through Jesus Christ, who came and lived and died a sinless life and shed sinless blood, to pay off the sinful account of everyone who will place their faith in Him and surrender to His Lordship and receive Him as Savior. Let me tell you what. We are grafted in to the vine. We are brought into the covenant with God. We are born again. We are sons and daughters. And now, by the grace of God, we have the privilege of communicating with God. And John 1, 12 and 13, But as many as received Him... To them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, we who are born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. I ask you tonight, have you been born of God? I know you were born of man, that's why you're here. But that will not, as Nicodemus learned, that's not going to get you to heaven. That's not going to get you in the covenant. You've got to be born again. Have you been born again? Have you received Jesus Christ? Have you received Him who's given us the right to become children of God? Have you believed in His name? Have you placed faith in His name so that you can be born again? Oh, all who call on the name of Jesus shall be saved. Have you, call, have you called on His name? Have you called on Jesus? Jesus, yes. Jesus, to be your Lord and your Savior. Let me tell you what, to attempt to earn God's ear or to refuse to, become of, uh, to, God, uh, to come to God because of sin, it misses the entire point of God's grace. Misses it. Our Father calls us to believe and consent to be loved and heard and answered even though we're totally unworthy. Jesus makes us worthy. Hallelujah. When you understand this, you make time for prayer. You make time for prayer because until we learn this unchanging truth that prayer is our declaration of, de of dependence on God. We must let that be the core of our lives that prayer is our declaration of dependence on God. And every day you go without prayer, you're saying, God, I don't need you. God, I don't need your healing power. God, I don't need your power provision. God, I don't need your grace. God, I don't need your forgiveness. God, I don't need your love. God, I don't need your peace. You're declaring your independence from God. But prayer is our declaration of dependence on God. When that becomes core, prayer will become core in your life. Some people say, well, pastor, is there any studies been done 
as to why we as the sheep that know this truth and hear this truth, we keep walking away from our prayer and we don't pray. Yes, there has. And there's been several uh, main answers that keep coming. These are the, the top answers that keep coming back to the question why we don't pray. And the first one is because prayer is work. Prayer is work. Man, the devil will remind you of that. Man, you're so tired. Man, you've got so much to do. You can't pray. You're so tired. You don't have time to pray. You're going to fall asleep. You need to get some sleep. You need to get some rest. You can do that prayer and thing another day. Paul invited the Roman Christians in Romans 15 and 30. He says, join me in my struggle by praying to God. We're in this struggle and we got to work. We got the devil is fighting against us. And part of our fight is the time we invest in prayer. So prayer is the work of the diligent, not the lazy. Some people are just too lazy to pray. Just like they're too lazy to exercise, too lazy to, to clean up their house, too lazy to build relationships, and they, all those other areas suffer. If you're too lazy to pray, let me tell you what, you're not going to have the benefits of prayer. And let me tell you what, it's really not that hard. It is intense. It is a, a, a dedication, and it is part of a discipline. But let me tell you what, it's one of the disciplines that need to be top on your list because it is our deep, uh, declaration of dependence on God. Another uh, reason why people don't pray, they said in this survey, I have other resources. See, it's the nature of our sinful side, that sinful man, to be self-sufficient. I don't need you. I don't need you. The sad truth is that most of us will not trust God until we have no other choice. I've had people tell me, well, I've gone through uh, this uh, council, I've gone through this situation, I've gone through these circumstances, and I've gotten these reports, and the final report is from the uh, authorities, there's nothing else we can do. So, pastor, could we start praying? And I'm like, sure, thank God, that even in the final conclusion of the matter, that comes to that. But why put prayer as the last thing when man can't do anything else? I say put God in the first. Amen. I remember Morgan when she was three, maybe that, that uh, you know, kids sometimes, uh, they don't hide anything. And uh, you get to see the sinful nature of man through children at the grocery store throwing a tantrum, you know, at the candy aisle when mom said no and pitching a fit and whatever. You know, we as adults, we do that inside especially when we're driving and somebody cuts us off or we have to wait and, and we're throwing a tantrum inside and we're saying, no, no, that's so childish. But I remember when she was maybe about three, she had a famous saying, thank God she has, she has surrendered since then, but this Morgie do it. Morgie do it. Well, let's get you dressed. No, Morgie do it. Let's change your diaper. No, Morgie do it. She wanted to do everything. I don't even know if she's wearing a diaper at three. She's probably, she's well potty trained by then. Because Morgie did it. Morgie. <laughs> and there was one day um, we were going to have breakfast or something and she wanted the, something out of the pantry. And I said, uh, okay, I'll get, let daddy get that. And I went to get it. And she's just a little old thing. She said, no, no, Morgie do it. Morgie do it. And she goes running across the, 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 floor, uh, the floor there and she gets right to the pantry where the wall comes out with an exposed corner that has the metal, you know, the metal bead on it. She trips and falls and splits her head from her hairline down to her chin. Just gashes it open. And maybe that was the turning point when Morgie do it 
got so low. When I was having to hold her and doctors were putting stitches in her face, you know, maybe that was the turning point. I don't know. But I'm not in any way speaking down on that. I'm just saying, look at what she did. And that mirrors how many of us live our lives. God, I can take care of this. I can take care of that. I'm holding this together. I can figure that out. I don't need you in there. I don't need you in there. When I need you, I'll call on you. And God said, that's not the covenant that we're in. That's not, I'm not your fire department that you call only when your house is on fire. I'm your father. I'm your God. Your covenant, this is supposed to be a love relationship. Then there's another one that came up on the survey. It says, I'm committed to my own comfort. And that is when we seek to stay in our comfort zone. We avoid all risk. We avoid all play. We stay where we're safe. We, we, we never go on a European missions trip. You just stay in your little zone and you're never challenged. And, and because you never challenge, you never go out of the, go to work. You go to the work. You eat at the same place. You just got your little routine. You're never going to allow yourself any discomfort, which may cause you to have to call on some extra resources from God. I've got my little route figured out and I can handle this and I'm comfortable here and I don't have to bother God and and I'm sure God's happy with that because he's busy with the rest of the world, we tell ourselves. Let me tell you what, we need to attempt things that calls on the omnipotence of God in our life. Let me tell you that. We need, and if you will communicate with God and listen to God, He's going to call you to do things. He's going to call you to give beyond your ability to give. He's going to call you to go beyond your ability to go. He's going to call you, call you to say and minister to people in an area where you're most uncomfortable. He will, if you listen to Him, He will call you to the place like Peter walking on the water where you've got to keep your eyes on Him in order to sustain the miracle of where you're at. He will do that. And you know what? That's an exciting way to live. That's an exciting way to live. Praise God. And then the survey was done and the fourth one came up. I have isolated myself from others' pain. And that is when you say, I don't want to be bothered with others. I don't want to know them because I know they got problems and I know they got need. And I don't want to know the need. I don't want to hear the sad story. I don't want to hear uh, the, uh, the, the challenge that is before others because I don't even want to be moved by that. Let me tell you why. When you do that, you will live a most miserable life. Because part of this life is us to be the inhaling and the exhaling side of life. And in that we inhale, yes, we live our lives, but God has also called us to exhale. The trees and the flowers, they need what we exhale. And if we're unwilling to exhale and keep it all to ourselves, we're going to die and others are going to suffer around us. God has set it up that He's going to work supernatural miracles in and through us to meet the needs of those around us, but it will never get the net connection will never be made if we're isolated from them. And we don't want to know anybody's business. And then the final one I have here is this, uh, and this probably, if it was done in order, would have been number one. I just don't have time to pray. A word of wisdom, if you'll receive it, You'll never find time for prayer. You'll never find. If you're looking, where's some extra time? Just, you know, if there's any extra time laying here, the devil will always fill up that slot to keep you from praying. You have to become a disciple who disciplines himself or herself for scheduling a time of prayer. 
It has to be crucial in our lives. Amen? Amen. Amen. And if you say, well, how much prayer is needed? Well, here's what Paul said. He said in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 16, he says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing. So don't just work in a minute here and a minute there. Yes, we want to spend that time, quality time with God, but in that we are building up our hearing ability and our sensing ability with Him in those intimate closed closet times so that now we hear Him as we are living life. Many people live life and they don't know what, is this God, is this not God? It seems good, but this is good. Which one's God? Is any of these God? I hear all these voices, you know, the devil's speaking, you're, you're speaking, other people are speaking. But when you discipline yourself and spend that time in your prayer closet every day, you will grow such a sensitivity and you will hear. Now listen, you can do this. I grew up not only farming, but we were among a bunch of hunters, and one of the things that we hunted uh, was deer and raccoons. And you had these special dogs, these hounds that God gave them the ability. Man couldn't have done it. There are certain dogs that are born to hunt deer. They know how to go and, and trail them. They know how to go and jump them and then run them and bring them to their, the hunters. They know, they, you can't train them that, but they just they know. Then there are some that know that their creative order is to hunt raccoons. And you take this great blue tick or this great walker dog, and, and uh, it looks just like the walker over here that, that knows deer, but this one knows raccoons. And you want to hunt deer with it, and it's like, that's not the smell I'm programmed for. I'm programmed for raccoons. So when you have these dogs, they all, you think dogs sound alike, but really and truly, you could have a pack of dogs, maybe 12, 14 dogs out there trailing, and you, as the parent of, of your dogs, you know which one. That's Susie. We had Susie. We had one kunai. Big blue tick. He was huge. He's like a horse, you know. And uh, that, that's, that's, blue, uh, that's kunai. Oh, that there, that's, you know, and we would name their names. And even when they were barking all together, and it would, to other people it would just sound like noise, you could know their bark. And you knew Susie was the one that when she barked, she didn't lie. Kunai was a liar. He was a liar. And when you have to walk a mile, two miles through the woods at nighttime with a broken down flashlight through the briars and all the water in the swamp and get to a tree that a dog is lying to you, telling you there's a coon up there, that gets quite frustrating. So you would listen to who's tree, who, you know, and if you could hear Kunai oh, doing his treat, oh, he's just going, laying down, because they have a different bark from trailing, from running, and treeing. They change their tone. And you're like, oh, Kunai's treeing, but I'm listening to see if Susie's going, is treeing voice too. Now, if Susie lets out a treeing voice, I, it's worth going through the woods because the reward will be there. But if it's coon, I see a coon smart and they would go and they would tag a tree. They'd run up a tree and then they would jump way over or they would run to low branches and run the branches, uh, low limbs over to other trees and then go down and keep running. And coon, I would come and smell where they went up the tree and boy, he lay in. Come on, Tim. Come on, Daddy. I got you a coon. And you'd get there. And sometimes it would just be a little old sapling about that high. And you're like, Kunai, 
We named you Kunai. What? You can't even see? There ain't nothing up this thing. And he's like looking at you, wagging his tail up on the tree. Oh, oh. You know, he's like, look, he's here. And you're like, there ain't nothing there. The thing ran up, grabbed the branch, went down. Now, Sue, Susie, she would, she would go out. She would she'd give a tree voice, and then she'd get quiet. And she'd go out and start circling. And she'd make her circle bigger and bigger till she went out far enough that she figured that he's not escaped somewhere else. If she smelled a hot trail leaving, she wouldn't tree. She would keep on going after him. But once we heard her voice, we knew, we knew we are in good shape. Okay? Now, if God created dogs to be able to communicate in that way, do you not think that our God, the creator of communication, does not want to communicate with us and us to spend time that we can learn to hear His voice so that we can be in the middle of the biggest chaotic mess in the world and we hear the voice of the Lord say, walk this way therein. And we just walk right through the trials of life by the wisdom and the voice of God. That will never happen if you don't discipline yourself to spend time where you go. And He uses the analogy of closing the door. Basically taking the distractions away so that you're not tempted to be the spiritual looking person or you're not distracted by what's going on, but you spend time like Jesus did with His Father. You have that privilege as well. And let me tell you what, when you hear the voice of God, when you begin to discern the voice of God and know it with clarity, you walk with confidence. You live life with confidence. And when the devil says, boo, look a hair, ain't this a mess? You're like, nope, <laughs> this, this is a mountain. And I say, be cast into the sea and you keep on going because you know what God has said. Hallelujah. So pray without ceasing and everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. You cut out your prayer time, you're quenching the Holy Spirit. Because you're not hearing what He's saying to you. You're not hearing. He's saying, no, do this. And you're not hearing it. You're quenching the move of God that wants to, uh, heaven wants to invade the earth, but it can't because you've not built up that time in prayer to where you can even hear what the Spirit is saying. And do not despise prophecies. God is speaking through others to you and He's trying to speak to you, but you're despising it. You're not receiving it because you've not spent that time in prayer. Test all things, hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace Himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Oh, I pray that you would be so committed to amping up your prayer time, to preserving it, to spending, to, to setting it and keeping your appointment with God. Talk to Him, listen to Him, and let me tell you what, as you do that, and take this recipe of prayer, I know you will become even greater in what God has called you to do. Because let me tell you what, God's called you to greatness. Every one of you. He's called you to greatness. And He will guide you and direct you through His communication with you. But you, as I opened up, I closed. In James in 4, it says, you have not because you ask not. And the Lord told me, there's things I want to do in this church. There's things I want to do in, in, these, in your lives. He said, Tim, I want you to tell them. There's things I want to do, I desire to do. 
It is, it is miraculous. And he says this, I want to do miraculous things in your life. I want to do amazing things in your life. But you have not because you ask not. And I pray that this simple message this evening will stimulate your faith and your commitment to spending time with your heavenly Father, your God, your Creator, celebrating the reconciliation we have with Him in and through Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior and our elder brother, hearing and following and being filled over and over with His Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me, please? Amen. If you're committed to going out and taking your prayer to the next level, come on, let's just let me hear it while you're putting your hands together saying, Yes, Lord! Yes, Lord, I hear you, Lord. Hallelujah. I close with this. God answers prayers. God answers prayers. You serve a God who answers prayers. I'm not going to back down on it. I'm not going to be shy about it. I'm going to tell you with my foot going down really hard, our God answers prayers. So let's pray. Amen. Let's pray. Come on, let's have a concert of prayer right now. Father God, we come to you. We thank you that we can come to you in the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus Christ. Our Father, we bless you. Our Father, we worship you. Our Father, we thank you that you love it when we gather together and study your word and study your name and study your great works of power. And tonight, there are those here you said that are in need. You said to me, there are those that need a, a to be uh, they've got some things in their life that it takes the hand of God to use that my hand is the only thing that can deliver them my hand is the only thing that can make a way for them and Lord I've been faithful to tell them Lord I've been faithful you heard me right here you're the God who answers prayer and Lord I pray right now that they would just have the faith to talk to you the faith to walk with you the faith to commune with you uh, as we come and celebrate your goodness uh, and who you are and all that you have promised and all that you have said is yes and amen. Hallelujah. Hallowed be thy name. And God, may your kingdom come. We don't want to build our kingdom. We want to be about building your kingdom. And may your kingdom come. And may your will be done. We surrender. We submit to your will right now. It's not my will, but thy will be done in Jesus' name. For thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, use me today. Go ahead and tell him, God, use me to bring the heavenly host and the heavenly reward and the heavenly power and the heavenly miracles to be manifest here on earth according to your will. Hallelujah. And Lord God, forgive us. Forgive us for how we've neglected you. Forgive us for how we've trusted in our arm of our own flesh. Forgive us, Lord God, for going to others before we went to you. Forgive us, Lord God, for not having enough faith to believe that you're God who will hear and will answer hallelujah so Lord forgive us we pray Lord forgive us our dead as we forgive those that have trespassed against us Lord we're not going to hold on to anything that anybody's done we release them right now go ahead and release them I release them right now whatever they said that hurt my feelings my feelings being hurt is not more important than my supernatural walk with you God and me walking in the 
supernatural forgiveness that you have for me. So I release them right now. I forgive them right now. Forgive us, Lord God. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those, Lord, who have trespassed against us. Lord God, help us. Help us as we come against the forces of hell and the forces of hell come against us. Uh, Deliver us from this evil one. Deliver us from his schemes. Deliver us from his plans of destruction in our life. They'll deliver us, we pray, Lord God, uh, in Jesus' name. Uh, So deliver us from that which Satan has uh, destined for our life and deliver us into your destiny for our life. Hallelujah. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. Lord, and give us our daily bread. Oh, we thank you, God, that you care about our daily needs. You care. There are people here today that are suffering. There are people right now that have daily needs not met because they've not asked of you. They've not shared it with you. They've shared it with others, but they've not asked of you, Lord. Lord God, we come to you with our personal needs, Lord. And I pray everybody under the sound of my voice would take the time, Lord, to talk to you about their personal needs and their personal struggles and the personal things, Lord God in their lives we pray for we know God it is your kingdom and you are the one that has all the power and all the glory and all the honor forever and forever as we close this night we go with the truth that your name is to be exalted above all names for it is in Jesus name we pray and everyone said amen amen Amen. and amen